12. Go ahead and take your chairs. Book of Mark. Thank you, worship team. And as you're finding your way there, um, I just got out of a series of the Holy Spirit. I think it was like eight messages. Um, and so what I'm going to talk about, because they go hand in glove. You can't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit if you don't have a relationship with, the, with each other. Mark chapter 12. So I'm going to talk about these next several weeks, maybe four or five, who knows, on um, church relationships, friendships, good friendships, troubled friendships. If you have it, Mark chapter 12, verse 28, I'll be reading all the Revised Standard Version. And it reads like this. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well. He asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Lord, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other but he. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole burnt offering and sacrifices. In verse 34, very pivotable, 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 verse 34, and when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we're always careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. I ask God that you would prepare us. Holy Spirit, that you would walk up and down the aisles, touch each heart each mind. I bind and rebuke any, any hindrances, any distractions. I ask, Lord, that you would prepare us to receive your word and that it would land on good soil and that it would produce much fruit. I pray you move in signs and wonders. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, you notice that last scripture, he said... Uh, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Which is, you got to add that in context of the, whole, of the whole scenario that day. John the Baptist was, had gone around and was saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. At hand, at hand is, is a, a terminology used when it's, when it's nearby. It's right there. And so John came in and he ushered in Jesus. And Jesus talked to the scribe who was a very intelligent man. He was not just a normal kind of a guy. He was a, a student. He studied under, under, the, under the teachers of his day. And he tells them, and he says, what you're saying tells me that you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're almost getting it. You're really close. To the greatest commandment given by God encompasses our relationship with him and with people. We can't separate the two. You know, I've, I've met people who say they love God, but they can't stand their brother. Well, that, that, that's an oxymoron or a dichotomy that can't exist. 
Because it is impossible for you to say that you love God and hate your neighbor. All that is is show and tell, and, and really it's, it's a form of religion. So your most valuable asset, again, your most valuable asset, second only to your friendship with God, are your friends. Right? See, the reason we sometimes have problems with, with our friends is, is self-evident. And listen, if you have problems with friendships, well, join the club. Right? I, I can surely uh, probably with all confidence say that, that you look at your, your friends and say, man, they're all messed up. And they're probably looking at you and saying, you're all messed up. Right? We're called to love messed up people. Amen? So, so and, and the reason we have problems is we must be careful, and I think it's very simple. We must be careful whom we choose as friends. You know, you got, you got to make a wise choice. Just because he thinks like you, walks like you, talks like you, does not mean he's the best person to be your friend or she's the best person to be your friend. Hmm? See, developing a relationship in order to lead them to Christ and his ministry is one type of friendship. But then there are those who, who want to develop a close, intimate relationship. There's, there's different types of relationship. But I kind of bundle them into two. Amos uh, talks in, in chapter 3 of verse 3, and he says... Very simply, do two walk together unless they agree to do so? Right? It's kind of like a rhetorical statement. You're not going to walk with somebody uh, you necessarily don't like. And it's more than just walk. It doesn't mean you're walking down the street. No, no. It's, it's much deeper than that. Two types of relationship. The first deals uh, with the non-believer. Now, as Christians, we should all have non-believing friends. I mean, we're not called to be separate from them. Uh, uh, years ago, um, Nikki said this, and, I, and I, I snatched it as my own. And, and he quotes Jesus, and Jesus says, it's very common, they said, and he was a friend of sinners. So really, we have to be friends of sinners. We're called to be light and darkness. Not, we're not called to be monks and be, be cast off into some, some monastery somewhere and, and, and um, chanting hums or whatever monks do. I'm sure they monkey around, but I don't know. We're not called to that. We're called to have friends. Some of our friends will be sinners. Amen? Right? We know this, that more than likely they won't be leading, uh, or leading a life pleasing to God. But if you're not careful, the non-believer will drag you down rather than you lifting him up. Right? Because some people say, you know, we're not called to have evangelistic friendships. Well, I'm going to go hang out with my friend at the bar because one of these days I'm going to save him. If you keep doing that, eventually you're going to be drinking. Okay, don't kid yourself, right? So you've got to be careful. So you must ask up front when dealing with an unsaved person, are my convictions definite and clear? Right? Or, or do you have the conviction to be around that person? Right? That would be like telling, you know, a drug addict, uh, to get a job at a pharmacy. That wouldn't be a wise choice of profession. Right? Are your convictions clear? Right? How far, second question, how far am I willing to go with this person? And you'll be tested. I mean, when I, I came, first came to the Lord, I was a young man, came to the Lord, and my, my boss who had hired me at the job, we were, we were close friends, and, and I got saved, and I told him about my conversion. And then he goes, okay, well, we're going to go skiing. And I used to ski. I still, still ski. But we went up the mountain, and we're up in the mountain, and he offered me a joint. 
And I go, Larry, I told you I got saved. Right? Because you're going to be tempted. Oh, hello, somebody. Is anybody here? Is the mic on? You guys hear me? You're going to get tempted. So now it's one type of relationship where you're dealing with the world. But I want to look at the second one. The second relationship deals with mutual assistance and growth. See, Amos says, do two walk together? That word walk comes from the word yalak, which means to bear, to follow, to march, or to prosper. So it's not just uh, the act of walking, moving one step in front of the other. Bear. It reminds me, like, like, are you willing to bear each other's burdens? Right? Galatians, Paul talking to the church there, he says, bear each other's burdens. That way you can fulfill the law of Christ. So if you're, gonna, if you're willing to say, I'm going to walk this person, that means you're willing to impose your life into them because they invited, but you're going to bear their troubles. You're going you're to help them through time. You're going to bear their burdens. If you're not willing to bear their burdens, then you're not, that's not really a friendship. You know the person, but you're not really getting to know them. So you also, another one is, is you follow, you're, you're walking with. Like when Paul says, follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ, right? I choose to follow him. I share many times that my mentor, Nikki, Nikki Cruz, I choose to follow his example, right? Because I follow him. We're walking to, with each other. And interestingly, interestingly, that word walk, yalak, actually can mean the word March. When I, when I heard that word march, I was reminded of, 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 of Joshua when he's taking his people, and they were, they yalaked around the city, right? And, and, and the key to this was shut up and march. They didn't talk. They didn't say nothing. They just marched. In other words, they didn't have to say anything, but they were committed enough to march around the city in battle. There was a commitment level that went beyond just, how you doing, John? Oh, how you doing, Harold? Oh, I'm doing great, Matilda. No, no, no. It was much deeper. They chose to march with each other. It's like a military, uh, 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 a soldier marching in orders. It also means to prosper. Whatever your hand touches shall prosper. In Philippians, I mean, Psalms 1, let's all turn there. And I'm trying to get you the picture of what it means to walk with somebody. To have a relationship, not just knowing somebody, not just uh, um, going to a ball game for somebody. And that's cool, but that's not friendship. That's going to watch a game. It's much deeper. And if you're a believer, it should all revolve around your walk with Jesus, your intent for his ministry. And it reads there in Psalms 1, 1 through 3, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the godly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the light of the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So now you're committing to a person way beyond getting to know them. Now that's a difficult thing because most people tend to be private, especially in the American culture. You know, we'll get to know each other here at church. But when we go home, I don't want you to come to, to know my, me that deep. So the door is like a, like a barricade. You know, in the spirit, you have pit bulls and you have a, a, a moat and guards. And nobody comes into that door because they're going to get to know you too much. It's very common or maybe in my neighborhood, that we don't even know our neighbors. 
You go to your ne- next door neighbor. This is, this, is, this is how much you get, you know. About eight in the morning. You see them walking by? But you don't, we don't know each other. Why? Because our, this is my, my life. This is my doorway. I don't want to let you in. It's very difficult to let you in. And here's this preacher right here trying to preach to a people who are so used to that. And I'm trying to say, no, you need to bring people in. And I know that fact that I'm telling you, you got to bring something in makes you uncomfortable. What do you mean bring them in? Well, they'll know all about me. And what will they think when they find out who I really am? And, but, see, if you don't let them in, then you can never really manage each other's prosperity. It'll be keeping up with the Joneses, not prosperity. You can never march in unison on a mission, on a call, on a purpose. And you have to understand, we have a vision to reach every industry of the world. And we need people who are willing to march with each other. I have, I have the dream of sending one of you out, your kids, somebody, to go start a church. What does that mean? That I mean I, we need relationships that are with of people who are willing to march with each other. We need deep relationships, right? But what happens, we often get the wrong type. I don't know about what, you know, us humans, we, we, we always get the wrong ones. Say, say, say amen. If you don't, just bear with us for the rest of us. See, there's, I want to tiptoe through Proverbs. And he talks about wrong types of relationship. The first one he mentioned, I think it's very, like, this is dangerous, is a gossip. Now, some people like hanging around with gossips. Why? Because they like to hear all the noise and all them. Yeah, tell me. And then, and then if you're in church long enough and you're real holy, you say, oh, well, I need to know so I can pray about it. Yeah, shut up. You don't want to pray about it. You're a, you're a gossip. Right? And so gossips tend to f- like to find gossip because they like talking. Now, if you find yourself in, in the presence of gossip, run. Run r- very, uh, uh, very delica- delicately like this. But run. You're running inside, but you're walking real cool. Because you could be assured, if they're a gossip and they're talking about the people you know, when you're gone, they're talking about you. Right? Proverbs 20:19 reads that gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid a person who talks too much. See, if your buddy talks about people, again, he will talk about you. She will talk about you. Be careful of those not only are gossip, but are quick-tempered. They get angry. And you all, don't look around. Look at me. We all know somebody who gets angry too easily. Right? And so then we want to help. And you can't help a person like that. They need, to, they need to work it on themselves. Everybody's got their own personal thing they got, they got to deal with. And when you realize this is the gossip or a hot-tempered person, this is probably not the best person to make your friend. You, you should maybe pray for them, send them to Pastor Sam's class, right? <laughs> Help them out. But, but these are the type of person that, that are not help you. Amen. God, uh, 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 this, the next one, let me read this. The, I'm going to tip through through Proverbs. Proverbs 22, 24 reads, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. And this is the, the reason why. Or you may learn his way and get yourself ensnared. Huh? The third one is one who is disloyal and discontent. Right? Proverbs 24, 21 reads, My child, fear the Lord and the king, and don't associate with rebels. 
Now, see, that's hard because in this generation, you know, most generations, the rebels are the ones that tend to attract people. You know, they, they always want to have that rebel mentality. And, and, and you think that's cool. Okay, it might be cool up front, but it's very dangerous on the back end. It's going to get you. And the, the Bible is clear. Don't associate with rebels. It says in verse 22, for you will go down with them to sudden disaster. Huh? And, and I mentioned gossip, disloyal, uh, uh, discontent. And it seems like these are the very people that we like to hang around with. Well, not you, but you probably know somebody who does. And the, the next, the third one is self-indulgent. Proverbs 28, 27 reads, Young people who obey the law are wives. Those who seek out worthless companions bring shame. Huh? See, this person is like a stomach. One thing I learned about my stomach, right? When I, when I get a, a, like a, a, a desire for something, you ever get like, like you want something? I'm talking like food. You know, and you just want it. And all day long, what are you thinking about? You're just thinking about that. And, and, and you just, you're trying to do other things. You're working. You go, man. Then you get, until what happens? Your stomach is talking to you, talking to you, talking. And then you go, you finally get it. And now you can go back, right? See, a self-indulgent person is like a stomach with two eyes and two legs and an arm. They're just a big stomach. They always want to please their appetite. No matter what it is. And they very seldom worry about the consequence after the fact. And I've heard people like that who say, well, I'll just deal with it when it happens. Right now, this is what I want. And they're self-indulgent. And they will take themselves right to their own destruction. Hmm? It says, don't hang around with this person. It all wants to be fed. In fact, if you're hanging around with it, it's probably guy, that person probably has you with them because they want something from you. Next one, immoral. Proverbs 29.3, the man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father, but he who hangs around with prostitute, his wealth is wasted. Now, some say, well, I don't hang around with prostitutes. See, in this day and age, we have a different concept of prostitutes, Right? But, but if you really were to transpose it, it would be like saying, don't hang around with those party girls. You know those girls that go to the club and, and shake things they shouldn't be shaking? Shake, 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 shake your booty, right? They're out there. you got to be careful with those. Don't hang around with them. But they, that's, that's normal. That's cool. We all want to go to the nightclub and shake a leg. The Bible says don't hang around with those people. But what do you do? In fact, some of you probably were at the nightclub last weekend. Well, did I say that? Yeah, I'll say it twice. Don't do that. Immoral, right? See, the problem is the standard of morality today is at an all-time low. What was immoral just a couple of decades ago is okay. You know, uh, it's okay for, for two women to make out in public. It's okay for, for men to walk around. L, B, G, T, A, B, C, D, F, G, all of the letters. It's okay. And it, listen, my friend, it is not okay. It is not okay. Uh, we, we get all caught up by this new generation, metrosexual, uh, um, no, gender fluid. Today I feel like a guy. Hey, what's happening? Tomorrow, hi, ah, what's happening? What, what's going on with this generation? Gender fluid. That's not, that's, not, that's not gender fluid, that's gender stupid. 
Huh? And we're in a generation, a time where it's immoral. What we thought was immoral is okay. And it's not okay. We have to remain true to what Scripture says. Right? We have to remain true to the gospel regardless of what society says. If we don't stand, who will? Who will? See, the last one is a fool. The Bible says don't call anybody a fool. Right? But it says this, only a fool has said there is no God. So as long as you believe there is a God and you're serving him, you're okay. But if you believe that there is no God, you're a fool. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. Right? Proverbs 13, 20 reads, whoever walks with the wise will become wise. Whoever walks with the fool will suffer harm. So how do you damage a friendship? Now we know who not to hang around with. Okay, now we have some information. What do we do that hinders your relationships? Right? Because you, you, you have to ask yourself. We already have a picture of what not, who not to look for, but what do we do? I think that the number one problem that we all have and we all have to deal with is selfishness. Right? Because the hardest thing to give away when you're de- developing a relationship, I'm talking about a good relationship, the hardest thing to give away is time. Time is m- your most valuable asset. If you lose all your gold or your silver, you lose it all, you could go back to work and gain it. Right? You can gain it. If you crash your car, you can always go back, get another loan, save some money, and buy a new car. Ah, but time... You can never redeem it. You can never get it back. Once it's gone, it's gone. And so what I'm saying is with your most valuable commodity, spend it on a person. So if you're going to spend your most valuable commodity on a person, I just listed the ones you don't spend them on. Unfortunately, we spend this valuable commodity on those people. And then we wonder, well, how come I get no friends? Or how come I always have drama? You always have drama because you're hanging around with drama queens or drama kings, right? So, so you got to spend your time wisely, right? Huh? So I'm grieved when I hear new converts say I've heard new converts say this. He goes, the only thing I miss is the fun I used to have with my friends. I can't find friends in church like I had in the world. I've heard new converts say that. And, and really, to me, that was like a warning from the Holy Spirit saying, you need to speak to your church. Because if these people, if this young convert cannot find friends in church and he's dreaming about his past friends in the world, what in the world are we doing in church? We're wasting a lot of valuable time. Hmm? Time. The second thing is a, a Manipulation. So when you begin to, well, let me say that manipulation is rooted in evil. To manipulate, you have to conjure up a plan to get what you want. See, we don't want to be selfish or we don't want to manipulate people to get what we want. We're talking about having good friends, people who can trust you in in the hard times, who can have fun with you in the good times, a friend who will call out to you. Yeah, You know, I have people call me from all over the world, call me before they even call their family. Why? Because they know when they call, I'll come, whatever I'm doing. Because why? They're my friends. I cherish my friends. And we have to work on those things. 
Hmm? See, the third thing is jealousy. What do, how do you feel when your best friend gets ahead? In other words, all of a sudden, maybe they got a little more educated than you. And they got a little more educated than you, and they got a little better job than you. This is your best friend. Not only did they get a better job than you, they, they got a better car. And you're driving this old beat-up hoopty, right? You got to push it, a kickstart to get it going. And they come up, and they come up, and they pull up in their nice-looking Lexus. How do you feel about your friend then? See, if you don't have a good friendship, you'll tend to get a little jealous. Anybody ever been there? Come on, no. Oh, no, no. You ever look at me like, not me, Pastor. I'm just, you have? Huh? You, you get like, wow, what about me, God? You ever felt that way? What about me, God? Where, where's my blessing? Don't worry about that. Huh? See, you got to understand, you should rejoice in their success. Believe me, and when you begin to rejoice in other people's success, something happens. Success begins to find you. You don't have to look for it. It finds you. Huh? Rejoice, the Bible says. Rejoice when your brother and your sister are being blessed. See, we're talking about building friendships. Does anybody want to build some friendships? Hmm? The, the fourth thing is covetousness, which is kind of similar to jealousy. It's wanting something that doesn't belong to you. You know that most affairs happen between friends? Or you can't really call those people friends, huh? If your friend's going to have an affair, that's not a friend. But that just tells you what type of friends. But if you look at statistically, most affairs happen amongst friends. Are you kidding me? Right? If that was the case around me, most of, most of the murders would happen around my friends. I'm just kidding. Let me get back here. That's amazing. Why? Why does it happen? The only way that can happen is because people have distorted what it means to be a friend. They've perverted it. They, they became covetousness. Covet. They covered another person's wife. And this happens from top to bottom, from all spectrums of life, from all cultures. No one is immune to it. I've seen it happen. I've watched it happen in amazement. And I, I still don't understand it. And really, and that type of thing, I don't really want full understanding. I want nothing to do with that. But it does happen. Why? Because we do not know how to have friends, especially this baby boomer generation. So I'm, I'm a little conflicted because I deal with a lot of millennials and this new generation, and they tell me, they tell me that this generation, men and, and girls, they can be friends. And I have to believe them at face value, okay? But baby boomers, especially in my culture, we could, men could not have friends that were female. That was like a taboo. You can't. First of all, we would think you're a homo or a queer, right? Can I say that? I just did. Right? We'll think, so this guy's funny. You can't have a girlfriend. What good girlfriend? Are you kidding me? Right? That was, you know, girls had girlfriends and we just had our friends. But this generation, they said, well, I have friends. You do? Yeah. And they're a girl. Oh, no, wait a minute. So the first thing in my generation, we think, you just want something from her. That's the baby boomer. And they tell me sincerely, now, millennials, help me out. Is that true? That you can have girlfriends? And, huh? Millennials? One said, yeah, yeah. See, see, the millennials. Us baby boomers said, liar, liar, pants on fire. Huh? But we're talking about friendships. So I got I to believe it at face value because my generation don't, doesn't buy it. Because we feel this way. If you hang around with a friend, you have a girlfriend, eventually you're going to have sex. It, those things happen. 
And rather than to fall in that trap, we, we would, we're raised in church, right? No, you don't have that kind of friends. You can be, be cool with them, be nice to them, but you don't do that. Why? Because we don't want people to backslide and fall. That was the teaching I'm letting you know that we had growing up. Now, I'm coming this generation. I'm, I'm trying to, well, I'm not trying to impose, but I, I, I counsel that way. But then people say, well, it's not like that with us, this generation. Right, Jose? Jose still doesn't believe it. We had a conversation with Jose, and I told him, he goes, he's looking at me, no, no, no way. So I got to ask the millennials, is that true? Can you can actually have a friend and not think of having sex? So now you baby boomers, are you with me? Do you believe them? <laughs> no! <laughs> so, so anyway, let me get back over here. We're talking about friends. So let's, can we be, I'm trying to be transparent and try to bring this across to you. So when you see a boom, baby, boom, baby boomer like me telling you, hey, be careful, it's because we have certain backgrounds and we've seen certain things. Now, if it's not true, then you millennials have to prove it to us. Because if you're having friends and then you got to run in rampant in this immoral society, right? We're in an immoral society, and you say you, you, you won't do that, prove it to me. Until then... I am very skeptical. Let me get back on my message. The next thing you do to disrupt your, 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 uh, your friendship is criticism. See, most people do not receive criticism well. Right? And we're not called to be a critic. If, you, if, you're, if you're a very critical on person, whatever reason, you may not have a lot of friends. Because even though you mean well, you, you, you're, I'm trying to help, I'm just trying to teach them. That, that's cool, but most people don't want to be criticized or, or, or you to critique them. And you'll turn people off. Then you'll wonder, man, why does nobody like me? Because every time they get around you, you try to teach them something. They didn't, they didn't come to you for a teacher. They came to you as a friend, not a critic. If you want to be a critic, go right for the Gazette and talk about everybody else. But don't talk about your friends. Next, disloyalty. Disloyalty in a person bothers me the most. Disloyalty. Right? I'm a loyal person. I, 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 to me, loyalty is like a premium. Pastor Ed Morales was one of our elders. He went on to be with the Lord. He says this, if I am leading, follow me. If I hesitate, push me. If I become disloyal, kill me. And I, I adhere to that. Now, it may be like a rhetorical killing, but you understand what I mean, Right? And I believe that with all my heart. If I'm leading, follow me. If I hesitate, come on, give me a push, help me out. But if I am disloyal, kill me. Huh? Loyalty is so important to friendships. Now, loyalty doesn't mean you cover their sin. No, loyalty means you deal with their sin. You pull their covers. You tell them, no, you don't act like this. You correct them in love. That's loyalty. Loyalty doesn't mean, I got your back, you know. Go ahead and sneak around the staff and let's go have a drink. Or let's go buy a, a, a little shooter and have a smoke. And that, that's not loyalty. That is stupidity. I say that looking at the home because they do that from time to time. Amen? No. Loyalty. We, loyalty is a premium. We have to be loyal to one another. And lastly, dishonesty. See, once a trust is broken, it is almost impossible to repair. In fact, in leadership, in all my leadership studies, in fact, General Shusensky, who was the VA, he oversaw, but he was a general, he says this, trust. When trust is no longer present, 
Leadership ceased to exist. Period. When trust, if you don't have no trust, leadership is over. And so trust is so important. A person has to be able to trust you, that you're not going to lie to them. It is better to, to, to tell the truth and take the consequences than to lie. Because once you lie, you'll break that, that, that friendship. But even if you tell the truth and it momentarily disrupts your friendship, over the long haul, that friend will, come, will realize, they told me the truth. I can trust them. They're kind of stupid for doing that, but I can trust them. You can forgive stupidity, but you cannot forgive a broken trust. It's very difficult. So as we close, the building blocks of friendship. So we have to build. We have to work towards friendship. If we're going to, again, opening the scripture, if we're going to walk with God, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. And he says, I will lead you and guide you to all truth. And we're, we're saying, Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me to all truth. Listen, you can't even begin the journey properly unless you are making friends. You have friends along the journey. Because along life's path, wherever you go, you turn to the left, you turn to the right. Wherever you're going, you're going to run into people. So the, the Holy Spirit is going to lead and guide you to all truth. And it's amazing that some of the truth that you're going to get are going to come from the mouth of people you meet. It's not going to, you know, people say, well, Holy Spirit, lead me. As if the Holy Spirit goes, okay, I'm going to lead you. Albert, turn left. Do this. No, no, no. You're going to walk along the way and somebody's going to say, Martin, don't do that. Okay. Hey, Jasmine, don't do that. Okay. As you're walking, the Holy Spirit is going to lead and guide you through your friendships. Sometimes he'll even lead and guide you through your enemies. But it's people that will lead and guide you. The, the Holy Spirit will guide you. And then people have this strange thing. Oh, no, it's just me and God. Just me and God. I don't listen to nobody. I don't listen to man. I listen to God. That is impossible. Because the two scriptures, the two greatest commandments go hand in glove. God and man. If all you do is listen to God, you're not listening at all. Let's move on. Charles Spurgeon said this, I would rather be changed in a dungeon, wrist to wrist with a Christian, than to live forever with the wicked in the sunshine of happiness. Reverend William Sacker wrote, he who would be good must either have a faithful friend to instruct him or a watchful enemy to correct him. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, the one, only way to have a friend is to be one. Dale Carnegie you make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years trying to get other people interested in you. Friends, friends, listen, if we're going to walk and be of any effect in our Christianity, we have to have friends, good friends, huh? Friends that we'll spend our time with. I talked about time earlier. Years of knowing each other. Time. You can't fabricate time together. You have to spend time. Long hours. When I fly to California and I go to other ministries, I don't go to people I don't know. I have spent time with these people. 
The pastor who has a thriving church in Sacramento and Santa Rosa lived with me. Pastor Eddie lived with me for six years. We spent time. He was a, a teenager when he came into my house, and I was talking to him. Now he's got this thriving ministry. Other, I can name other pastors and people I spent time with. Time. The pastor's wife in the Philippines was my secretary for years, spending time. Right, And these, these, this valuable, this valuable asset that I had, I gave as much as I could, thinking one day, one day this time is going to pay off. Looking down the way, who do I spend my time with? I don't, you know, and, and don't, don't take it wrong, but I'm going to spend my time with those who have created themselves as a value to the Lord. Not to me, to God. Now, I'll spend, you know, have you ever heard of the Pareto principle, the 80-20 principle? You spend uh, 80% of your, your time with the people who are going to give you the most return, right? And 20% of the other. It's a very important principle. You can't just waste your time. Amen? It's a special thing when a person says they are true friends. Huh? Because people in general don't spend enough time. Now, you ask many people, how many friends you have? And oftentimes, people can list their friends on one hand, right? One hand. Oh, we may know a lot of people, but how many friends do you have? See, and people say, well, that's normal. I, I, I rebuke that. I don't think that's normal. We should have an abundance of friends. If we're called to be a prosperous, then we should prosper in our friendships. If we're called to live in, live in abundance, then we should have abundance. So we have to redeem our time, use it wisely. Who are you hanging around with? You have to talk with each other, right? See, war, you know war buddies or people in the military? Who's been in the military? I have, right? Military. There's something about the relationship you develop with those in the military, right? I have friends in the military. You're in there, and you've gone through things, and you, you've, you've experienced things, and, and, you know, and you look at these movies when they're in the, they're in the, the foxhole, and, and they're sharing life because they don't know if they're going to live or die. But they're sharing their stories. But that talk, that brings an intimacy that can never be uh, uh, manufactured. It, ha it has to be real talk. And when you're spending time and you're talking, really talking, not trying to have something to say or not trying to be the smartest in the room. No, no, no. But really talking about things that matter. Because life is short. Very short. Hmm? The next thing is not only talk, but you have to have tears and laughter. Share some tears with each other. Hurt when others hurt. And, and, and laugh when other, uh, others laugh. Now you're building friends. Share triumphs of life when you go through victories. But also share your defeats. Uh, share those trials and tragedies that you go through. Psalms 31.7 reads, I will be glad and rejoice in your love. For you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. And I went through it, and you were with me. Right? And when you've gone through something, you always remember somebody who's with you. You know, I was talking to my wife. When I was in the hospital, and this is what really bugged me. Still, I want to mention his name. But there was a gentleman. I was in the hospital for 40 days. Right? They told me I was going to die. Uh, I didn't die. But there was this one man that probably stood in that room 30 of those days, huh? He stood there, and he took care of me every single day. And the nurses would were, were, were trip out because after a while, they're like, who are you? Like me. I go, I'm nobody. Who are you? I'm just, I'm just here. Why do you have all these people coming here taking care of you? I go, they, they're just, I don't know. They just want to. 
but I'm laying there. Then it got to a point where they gave him the key to the closet. They told him where all the supplies were at. They told him whenever he needed, whatever I needed, he could get it for me. So he, he actually became my nurse. I didn't, they were like happy because they didn't need to come check on me. The only thing they did was check on my vitals at like 3 in the morning. Why do they check vitals at 3 in the morning? That's crazy anyway. But they checked my vitals and then the rest of the time, this guy took care of me. Huh? And you never forget those. You never forget those who were with you huh? when you were hurting. So we have to be those people. Because trials will come. Yeah, they'll go, but the hard times will come. And who's going to be there? Us or somebody else? Huh? We need to be there. We need to be the ones they call to. We have to be those people who care, who really care. Not just fakes and frauds and part-time broads. The real deal. Share those tragedies. Gene huh? Veneer, founder of Le, Mou- Le Arch Movement, said, Wounded people who have been broken by suffering and sickness ask for one thing. A heart that loves and commits itself to them. A heart full of hope. See, when you're like that, then you begin to develop thankfulness. Showing thanks to the people that you're around. Uh, Thoughtfulness. You begin to think about them. Care about them. You pray about them. In fact, you may even dream about them. Why? Because you really care about them. Anybody ever been in love? Come on, yeah. You're in love. And you know how it is when you're in love. You, you, you're, 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 you even dream about them, right? You see your love. It's like me and my wife. I see Deborah in the field with the daffodils running towards me, and I'm running towards her. There's a big old dream, and then you hug, and you, you wake up. You go, oh, man, I want to go back to sleep. That was such a great dream, right? Why? Because you're, you're developing an intimate relationship. And we should be able to develop intimate relationship with other people as well. It's not a marriage relationship, but it still should be an intimate, the David-Jonathan relationship, right? The Paul and Titus, uh, the Paul and Timothy relationship where they really cared. Paul would say, you know, I love you. Why? Because he spent time with them. They worked with them. Instead, we get caught up, and we don't even know each other. Why do you think we're always trying to emphasize, you know, stay after, eat with us, get to know us? Because you can't get to know each other in this this kind of forum. We're We're here listening to me. But in a form where we're eating, we're talking, we're relaxed, we can really spend some time, get to know each other. Why? Because if we're going to allow the Holy Spirit, and that's the whole crux of the thing, if we're going to allow God to move through us, why in the world would he if we can't move through each other? Why in the world should he? Huh? If we're going to be a Holy Ghost hospital, we have to be those people with each other first. Amen? Thoughtfulness, thankful, transparent, full of truth. Huh? So if you have a friendship and you're hurting, how do you address the problem? I'm going to get more detail in the following weeks, but very briefly. Determine what happened. What happened? And I think here's the second thing. Apologize, no matter who's at fault. Because really it's not an issue of who wins the argument. It's an issue of settling the argument. See, if you're so hard-pressed, excuse me, if you're so hard-pressed to win the argument, you will have very few friends. It's not, I don't, I don't really care who wins. Can we settle this? And if it takes, even if I'm wrong, for me to eat humble pie, the relationship is more important than the debate. Some people, the debate is more important than relationship. And then they ask themselves, why don't I got any friends? Why? Because you're a pain. 
That's why. Nobody wants to be around you. All you want to do is argue and fight. Hmm? No. Refuse to blame or defend yourself. Don't blame and don't defend. Focus on the friendship. Show value in redeeming each other uh, as friends. Ask the other person for a suggestion of how to repair the damage. And make a commitment to rebuilding or reestablishing friendship. As I close, four questions you need to ask yourself. Am I projecting on my friend something that happened in my past? That's, that's getting deep right there. Where's Pastor Sam when I need him? Right? Am I projecting on my friend something that happened in my past? See, a lot of times we have some troubles in our past, right? And we say this of our past experience. That will never happen to me again. Never again will somebody burn me. And so what happens, you bring that baggage right here, and you have an innocent bystander, and they may do, uh, do something that triggered that past emotion, and you say, never again. <laughs> I got you. I know you. I know what you're up to. And you have no idea what they're about. You are projecting on a person, an innocent person, something that happened in your past. You have to figure that out. Are you projecting? Well, more often than not, your past becomes the worst enemy of your future. Second, am I too fearful to have a close relationship with someone? Are you afraid to bring people in? Huh? Are you that type of person who brings people in? When they get too close, you sabotage the friendship because they're getting just a little too close. You need to ask yourself. Here is where the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit can counsel you, can deal with you, can guide you. Right here. Third, do I have unreal expectations of this relationship? And last, are these feelings of rejection really rejection? Or are they coming from my poor sense of self-esteem and self-worth? A lot of times you feel rejected before you even met the person. Because it's you. See, and now we're, we have to remove ourselves from developing friendships here for these questions and saying, God, here's my deal. I don't know which one of these are, is hindering me, but this is where I need you. Because people can't solve that for you. Psychologists can't give you the answer. Therapists can't do nothing. You could go rub a Buddha. It ain't going to help you. Nothing's going to help you. This right here, these questions is what's going to make the deal. God, this is where I need you. And why is he going to help you? Because he sees your heart, that you're determined to make the right friends. And as you're determined to make the right friends, God said, now nah, I got you right where I need you. Watch what he can do. Watch how the Holy Spirit begins to move. And he brings these two commandments, love God and love your neighbor together, into a supernatural dynamic in your life for your blessing, for your benefit. After you committed yourself to rebuilding the friendship, occasionally, Ask the person how they're doing in the process, how they're doing, in the rebuilding or the restoring or the renewing. Ask God to show you how to help your friend in all areas of their life to be a godly person, to fulfill their purpose in life, to follow Jesus. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.
As every head is bowed, every eye closed, the Holy Spirit moving and ministering in our heart. Today, as we take a new and a different step into our relationship with Him, it will involve people. And if God has spoken to you, to your heart, through your friendships, your current friendships, or through your lack of friendships, your past experiences, and He's picked you, then God is speaking to your life. As we sing this song, the altars are open.